This podcast is brought to you by Western Australia's Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Hello and welcome to our series focusing on areas of broadacre grains research. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. My name is Amber Atkinson and I'm the Grains Research Development and Extension Communications Manager for the Grower Group Alliance. Today I'm talking with Mark Seymour, a Senior Deep Herd Research Scientist based in Esperance. Hi Mark, how are you? Good, thanks. Can you tell me a bit about your role at Deep Herd? Yeah, I'm a Senior Research Scientist. Uh, in broadleaf crops. So I uh, do R&D and extension on various crops. So uh, anything broadleaf, so canola, lupins, but we have a real focus in the last couple of years on pulses in particular, lentils, particularly in Esperance, faba beans in Esperance in the, in the south of the state, and then a real focus on chickpeas in the central and northern areas of the state. Not just me, uh, we have staff at northern Geraldton, Catanning and Perth, and in particular the chickpea uh, crew in Northern, sort of in, in charge of that focus, yeah. So it sounds like you work with quite a lot of crops. Uh, can you tell me more about the work you're doing with chickpeas? Yep, so chickpeas, we used to have a good area of chickpeas uh, back in the 90s, and there's a lot of renewal of interest in pulses in general, but chickpeas in particular for uh, particularly the central and northern areas of WA, we really see them as a potential crop. They're a high value crop usually. Um, they stand up really well at harvest, so they're relatively easy to harvest for people that aren't familiar with harvesting crops that uh, go down at the end of the year, like field peas and lentils. Uh, so they're attractive from that point of view for farmers and uh, they give a lot of the benefits that a, a grain legume do to the following crops as well. So. Excellent. Now, Mark, why would someone look at putting in a chickpea crop? Well, I think we're a very cereal canola dominant part of the world and people are looking for a legume and then they're looking for something that will uh, make them money in the year that they grow it as well as help the following cereal or canola crop. And chickpeas, because of their high value, easy harvest means that people are pretty attracted to them and they are relatively well adapted to our range of soils. Great, well speaking of soils, what soils are the best for growing chickpeas? Well, they do best on neutral to alkaline loams and interclays. Uh, they don't like a lot of boron and salt, which can be an issue like in the Esperance area and, and in some pockets elsewhere in the state. Part of that is they're quite late maturing and they're trying to get water from deeper down and they have to soils are quite boron and salt, salty, they struggle to get the water. They can go on to neutral, acidy, duplex soils, uh, um, you know, ones with a sandy uh, topsoil. They probably, out of all the pulses, uh, them, uh, chickpeas and peas probably can go onto those soils, although chickpeas are probably a better fit from a wind erosion point of view post-harvest. So quite widely adapted. Uh, but yeah, if you're starting to grow them, less experience, then try and pick the best um, loam soils that you have on your farm. Thanks. What advice would you have for people that are just starting to look at putting in chickpeas? Yeah, well, I think there's a three or four key things that we find people come unstuck with. A is 
putting them in the wrong place. Uh, so we've already talked that with the soil type and, you know, picking areas that are well drained, another thing. But we do have to consider that chickpeas are quite susceptible to a foliar disease, Ascochyta. And I think you just have to plan that you're going to get it, even uh, the first time you ever grow it. But you can minimise that by uh, sourcing clean seed. So if you're buying seed off someone, you would want to ask them for a seed test result and you'd want to get basically zero ascochyta on the seed. And regardless of what the seed test came back at, you'd also want a germination test um, because uh, chickpeas are prone in storage to lower germination more so than most other crops that I've ever dealt with. But every chickpea crop that we ever grow in WA should be treated with fungicides, the seed, primarily pea pickle tea, the product. And that helps reduce uh, the uh, ascochyta. And it also helps you with pythiums and those sort of things that also attack um, seedling uh, chickpeas. But the main re reason for doing it is to really knock back the, uh, the ascochyta early on. And we also, of course, a lot, many people wouldn't have grown chickpeas. There's no history of rhizobia in the soil. So every chickpea crop should be inoculated with rhizobia or have a, a granular product added with right next to the seed or use a, a liquid. But again, it's really important with rhizobia to get it right next to the seed, not um, deep furrow or that sort of thing. And then the, the fourth thing, that we really want to stress uh, from a setting up the crop, uh, particularly for ascochyta, is that early spray. So around about six weeks, could be earlier if you're in a warmer area, uh, if the crop's growing quicker. But again, spraying a fungicide then, uh, it seems a bit counterintuitive to spray the chickpeas when they're so small, but really what you're trying to do is just knock back all the, uh, any ascochyta that's in the paddock and stop your crop being a source of infection for the, for the rest of the year. In some areas, that will be the, the end of your fungicide program. If you're in a higher rainfall, high production area, then you're probably looking at uh, canopy closure sprays as well. And then we would still, again, for seed production, for your, for your next year's seed, we would again suggest you put on a fungicide on the, on the pod, what we call a pod wash. So those are the, the things from a setting up. And, and uh, probably want to stress that we've found people... Uh, Unfortunately, some folk have just missed out one or two of those things and in some instances, just one of those and they've had a disappointing result and we're just trying to stop people have a disappointing result if they can follow this little recipe. Uh, it really is chalk and cheese and the amount of particularly disease that you get. That's great advice, Mark. Thank you so much. Um, if you treat the seed with fungicide, what effect does that have on the nodulation? Yeah. So that's a, a very topical question when we talk about using pea pickle tea. It does have some effect on rhizobia. It is um, dangerous to the rhizobia. So you want to minimise the amount of time that, um, that you've got the rhizobia on the, uh, in contact with the pea pickle tea. So if you, you can pea pickle tea your, your seed uh, in advance, well in advance, but then if you treat the seed with rhizobia, um, then you want to sow particularly... You know, ideally within six hours, um, but certainly within the 24-hour program. And uh, again, the granular products will be a little bit safer, um, but there's no, but they will have some effect. But what we've found, particularly with some trials we've done this year, is that uh, in good conditions, if you do things right, it, you end up with this very similar nodulation to if you hadn't abused that pea pickle tea. So 
Yes, it does knock them around a little bit, but there's enough rhizobia in the treatments that you're doing to mean that the end result is very similar. So again, we wouldn't, don't be scared, don't be worried that you're um, going to have poor nodulation if you've PPQT treated your seed. Now, Mark, can you talk me through weed control with chickpea crops? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's again, it's a bit of a downfall for chickpeas is that uh, A, they're quite slow growing. They're not very competitive with uh, broadleaf weeds in particular, which is, you know, grass weeds control is relatively easy. But broadleaf weed control, again, it's what you do at or near sowing that makes a big difference. We don't really have a very effective post-emergent broadleaf weed control package for chickpeas. So it's really important to make it, you know, budget out and make those decisions either uh, before sowing or immediately after sowing, post-sowing, pre-emergent with those herbicide choices to tackle the weeds that you think you're going to get. To make those choices then, spend the money then uh, because you're really going to be chasing your tail if uh, you haven't made those choices then. So again, people who try to cut corners at sowing are the ones that have uh, issues. Where can growers go to get more information about chickpeas and the things that you've been speaking about today, Mark? Yep. So, of course, I can always contact uh, myself at the Esperance Ag Department. Uh, I'm sure they can find my contact details on the web or um, just phone up the Esperance office. So happy to do that. We do put all our trial information onto what we call the um, on-farm trial database, which is a GRDC-funded site that you can go to. And of course, we do our crop update presentations and papers and that and that there in the uh, proceedings and so on. So, and you know, we we do things like this in the media. Um, so I think, yeah, hopefully people can get things out and about. Uh, general chickpea information is also available. Uh, GRDC a few years ago did the grow notes, and it's a great big manual. So if you want to have 300 pages of how to grow chickpeas, there's there. Uh, I think there's quite a lot of information. But again, if the people just want to chat about whether they should grow them at all, uh, those sort of general conversations or little tips and tricks, then happy to, to hear from people. Great, Mark. Well, as always, I'll put links to everything that Mark mentioned in the show notes to this episode. Thanks for your time, Mark. Have okay. a great day. Thank you.